Season's greetings, and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren. You can find me on Twitter, at NWIOren, and you can find Union Street Hoops all over the internet, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Pods, Apple Pods, uh, SoundCloud, we're all over the place, right? Omni, NWI.com, we're all over the place. Very happy to be here for a holiday edition of Union Street Hoops. It's the morning of December 23rd when I'm recording this, and I'll be playing for you an interview a little bit later on that I conducted with Jason Karras and Lexus Williams earlier this month. It's taken me a while to, to kind of get this to you all, uh, recorded it on a on a different computer, and then I had to deal with some audio stuff, and and I was trying to fix some of it. Uh, when, when you listen to the interview, you're going to hear... I think uh, the computer that I was on was doing a little bit of kickback, and I just I couldn't I couldn't uh, I couldn't fix it. So you're going to hear some stuff in the background throughout the interview, and and try to ignore that if you can. But but a fun interview with Jason Karras and Lexus Williams coming up, where they're going to make a fun announcement uh, about the basketball tournament, about TBT and Valpo, uh, the Valpo alums bringing together a team to come back. Jason Karras and Lexus Williams will talk about that a little bit later on. Some things to get to, though. we got a couple games to go through, and I, I, I want to start macro with the Missouri Valley Conference. I do talk about how I I reference and cover the Missouri Valley Conference here. Um, as we know, one conference game is in the book, and man, do I hope that the other 85 get played. You know, five games have, have been played so far, and, and I hope the other 85 get played. Um Back in August, the Valley announced that the Missouri Valley Conference President's Council has announced that in the event an MVC institution determines that it is unable to compete in an MVC contest for any reason, that team will forfeit the contest in question. The Valley doubled down on that today, or I should say on on December 22nd, on Wednesday, they doubled down on that. It was a conversation. Uh, I was actually trying to get that info, and Jeff Borzello uh, beat me to it by about eight minutes, which is a lifetime in this industry, but um, he got to it. I reached out to someone in the Valley to confirm, and sure enough, the Valley is going to keep their forfeiture policy in place. Uh, what we can, what we know now, and, and without getting too much into the weeds on this, is that there's been a uh, a lot of breakthrough COVID positive testing, despite the fact that much of this has been asymptomatic. It's also flu season right now. I can tell you that I have been on the shelf for the last week or so. Um, just feeling a little under the weather, a bit of a scratchy throat, sneezing, and sinuses. I get this like every year. You could put it on the calendar. So I don't feel like it's any different than anything else I've ever I've ever had. Um, you know, that said, uh, and, and I, I took a COVID test a couple weeks ago and 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 was negative, and I, I've tested negative every time. I've, As far as I know, I've never had this, but, uh, you know, I'm double-vaxxed, boosted, all that stuff. Whatever my my point is that um, people are starting to test positive. I mean, we're seeing it all over the place. Like my fantasy football team has been decimated by this, and I'm not trying to make light of this situation. Um, but I, I do think it's an interesting thing to navigate right now. Um, had a pretty short press conference after the William and Mary game because Lodek was sending his guys away, and um, and basically said, "Go home, go spend time with your families," because he remembers how brutal it was last year when guys were quarantined in the dorms on Christmas. Uh, really, really, just to that point, on Tuesday night, I was, or Tuesday afternoon, excuse me, I was at the women's basketball game, and I saw a figure walking on the track, and it looked really familiar to me, and I was like, sure enough, that's Daniel Sackey. Daniel Sackey was back in Valpo, where he has got a lot of close friends still, obviously, and um, it was great to see Daniel. Then we talked for a little bit. He's having a blast down at New Orleans, and a couple of the a couple of his games has been canceled due to COVID, and so he got out of New Orleans. He came up to Valpo. He spent some time with with the guys back up in Valpo. He's close with many of them, and um, and we had a brief conversation. And in that conversation, uh, he he referenced back to how different it was a year ago being stuck in his dorm room because being in quarantine, and Valpo because they have been proactive about vaccinations has not had any shutdowns or anyone sidelined or anything like that through the first 13 non-conference games of the season. I suspect that that can become tricky here moving forward because 
Uh, Valpo is the, the players have gone home for the holiday. And I imagine they're going to have to test negative to come back. And in doing so, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, we're seeing games being canceled all over the place because of positive COVID tests. Well, I don't know that Valpo's had to test a whole lot because they're all vaccinated. And I think there's a lot of high vaccination rates in the Valley right now. So they haven't had to test a lot. And I, I'm not sure the testing procedures of all the different teams that are out there. Although we are seeing now that some schools like Loyola and Evansville have been shut down by COVID. Um, Jeffrey Jackson, the Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner, um, gave, talked to Matt Norlander from CBS Sports today. And in regards to altering the forfeiture policy down the line, he said, I wouldn't close the door on if a month from now things changed even more intensely. Then you'd be foolish that you wouldn't keep open the opportunity to discuss. There are no good answers. There are no absolutes. You need to be nimble because things can change and you have to keep the safety of the student athletes first. Um, I, look, I, I don't, none of us have answers. 20 months into this thing, none of us have answers, right? And, um, what I'm, what I can tell you about is that Valpo's played 13 basketball games. I've been to many of them. I haven't written about all of them, but I've been to many of them, and um, and thrilled that we get a chance to to be at games, and and I'm thrilled that you guys are paying attention and listening. And I love when you guys come up to me, and and you know, I had a couple more people at today's game came up and and thanked me for doing the podcast, and 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 I'm grateful for that. It's been fun to have basketball back. It makes some of you pull your hair out. It makes some people frustrated, and it gives people a reason to cheer. And Valpo has given some people reasons to cheer here uh, for the last couple games. And I'll get to the the look at those games in a second. I do want to mention one other thing about the Missouri Valley Conference. As apparently a couple days ago, and and this is something that maybe in the new year I'll spend some time really digging into with some people that I know from that area. But but a couple days ago, um, Murray State was able to give its pitch to join the Missouri Valley Conference. And here's the thing. This makes sense. If Murray State wants in and the Valley wants Murray State, get the flirting over with already and get them in the league. This will be a fantastic addition to the conference. It'll be excellent, right? And you've got Belmont joining. So now you've got Belmont and you've got Murray State who are joining a league that is pretty good. Now you got Loyola leaving. Okay. It's a bummer that Loyola's leaving because I thought it was growing into a good rivalry with Valpo. Now, has Valpo won many of those games? No, but they won the one that really mattered. They won in the conference tournament a couple of years ago. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, have they had some controversial finishes at Loyola the last couple of years? Yes, they have. And I'm looking forward to uh, mid-January going up to another one of those games in Chicago. And I hope that they stay on the schedule going forward. Um, I, I think I think it's a good rivalry. Love having Loyola in the league. I think Loyola's made a great great uh, commitment to basketball with the with Norville, uh, given all the money that he did and the practice center and Gentile centers are amazing and all of that. So I think Valpo, or excuse me, I think the Valley wants to stay in Chicago. So I think they're going to go after UIC and they're going to try to get UIC in the Valley. So maybe you lose Loyola and you add Belmont and you add Murray State and you add UIC and now you're at twelve. And now there's talk about UT Arlington and there's talk about UMKC. And now you're at 14. And now I don't know what we're doing here. And, and I, I look, I don't really know much to say. Look, I, I like UIC, right? And look, they beat Valpo the last two times they played. So it's not a basketball product issue. And I really like Luke Yaklich. I think he's a fantastic coach and I think he's going to do some excellent things there. What 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 I what I struggle with is the idea of having to add UIC because you want to stay in the Chicago media market. I I just it's not 2005 anymore, right? It's it's we're in a different landscape right now. I don't know that media market matters as much. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe it does matter. I don't think it matters as much, right? I say this as a Milwaukee Bucks fan who just won the NBA championship and a Green Bay Packer fan who 
is routinely one of the top program teams out there, right? Like, I mean, I'm from a small market relatively in the professional sense, and they thrive. I've said this before about the Valley. I was hesitant. You all know, people that listen to this podcast for for years that we've been doing this knew or know that I was hesitant about Valpo joining the Valley because I love the Horizon League because I loved going to the big cities, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Detroit, Indy, you know, and, and all when Butler was around. I loved it. It was amazing. But nobody cared in those markets. I've said it before, and I say it as a Milwaukee native, and I say it as somebody who had the opportunity to go into those big cities and realize that nobody cared. Like Cleveland State's good right now. Are they leading the coverage? No. You know, and like Oakland and Detroit, I've got a great rivalry in in how many people care? And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully to to Mike Davis, Greg Campy, and those programs, right? Like I just like I didn't see the Detroit Free Press at all those story at all those games, right? And so this idea that the media market has to be this major thing, it's just it with ESPN three broadcast now, it just feels like it doesn't land for me. And so what I love about the Valley, and I want to go back to the point that I was going to make, is that when I go into Bloomington Normal or Carbondale or Springfield, Missouri, right? Terre Haute, college towns that care about their athletics. Chicago is not a college town that cares about its athletics. I mean, Loyola students, give them credit. They got into it. And it took a long time. I mean, I can tell you, I, I was at games at Val, at Loyola when there were more Valpo fans there than there were Loyola fans. That's not the, That doesn't happen anymore, but it did happen. And I've been at plenty of UIC games where they had to bus in kids from grade schools, middle schools, in order to have cheer, like fans cheering, right? And because it just, it was, because they're going to Bulls games and they're going to, they're going to other stuff. And so I, I'm, it's not like I'm saying here that UIC is a bad idea. I'm saying that UIC is a bad idea if you're doing it because of the media market, right? Because you've fallen in love with being in Chicago. I still remember when Loyola made the final four and, and somebody on talk radio in Chicago said, Hey, we all need to pretend to be Loyola fans for a couple weeks. And what, I mean, first, what a slap in the face to Loyola to say something like that. And it would be a slap in the face to UIC to say something like that. Or I'm sure they said that about Valpo in 1998. So my point again, and I, I know because, because if they add UIC fine, it's a geography rival for Valpo They've had some good games with them over time. Valpo owes them a few after these last two games they played and lost. So it's not a product standpoint. It's more of just like this idea of having to get into big markets. Does that do something to a spreadsheet on a ledger somewhere on a Google Drive doc that I don't know about? Like, is that really the thing? I'd like it explained to me in a way, you know, like, is this really something that matters? Because to me, the passionate fan base. That's what matters. And, and and that's where Belmont and Murray State sign me up. I'm in. Great decision with Belmont. Great decision. Because even though it's in a big city, Nashville, they care about college athletics in Nashville. And Belmont's got great fans. I've seen it. I've been there. It's great. Right? Murray State, another one. Passionate. Passionate. Get them in the league tomorrow. Get them in the league yesterday. I think it's a great decision. I just don't know if this chasing major media markets for some reason is, I, I just don't see it, right? But again, like, give me UIC because it's a good rival that Valpo's had before. Give me UMKC if Billy Donlin's there. I love that guy. I'd love to see that guy. I'd love to, I mean, send me to, I mean, God, if the newspaper ever sends me on a road trip again, send me to Kansas City and I'll eat some barbecue. Like, let's go. Like, this would be great. Um, I've never, I've been to Dallas like one time. It was at one o'clock in the morning. I drove by Kennedy's assassination site because he's a distant relative of mine. And, it, you know, that was that. And, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd love to check that out, you know, but again, this, this expansion thing, this idea of you got to get in the big markets. 
I want the right fits, right? I want the right fits on the basketball court and the other athletic, and the other sports. So, but again, what do I know? It's only one person's decision, and I'm telling you, I would have voted against Valpo joining the Valley until I learned about, about it, until I got into the league. And I think what makes the league great are the college towns that this league gets into, not necessarily the big city markets. I've said my piece. If UIC joins, if KC joins, if Arlington joins, I'll go to all those places. I'll enjoy it. I'm, I'm not here. You know, a couple of my other uh, brethren, um, Todd Golden wrote a great piece who covers Indiana State, wrote a fantastic piece about this. Todd's a bit more romantic about the Valley than I am because he's been around it a little bit longer, right? Um, and so, you know, he 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 kind of put a lot of seeds in my head of, of things that I was thinking about. But um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this all unfolds. I think Jeff Jackson's going to be aggressive about it. And I look, got to give him credit. He went and got Belmont. Can't be upset about that. They go get Murray State. Can't be upset about that. Fascinated to see where it goes from here. Okay, let's do a quick recap a couple of these basketball games that Valpo had. Um, Eastern Michigan and William and Mary. I, I guess the big story from these two games, uh, first of all, Valpo won back-to-back games against Division One opponents, which was excellent. Um, won some games at home, which was good. Kevion Taylor played outstanding in a couple of the games. He's really kind of coming into his own a little bit. Cricky played really well against Eastern Michigan. Kithier played really well against William and Mary. Trevor Anderson scored a bunch of points. I, I, I look at this and I see against Eastern Michigan, Anderson, Cricky, and Kevion Taylor all in double figures. And then when I look at the William and Mary game, you know, just two days later, you've got Kithier, Edwards, and Kobe King were in double figures as well as Kevion Taylor. So just like that, you got six guys in 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 two games, who are double-figure scorers. It can be anyone on any night for this team. One of the other really big stories that has come out of Valpo basketball in the last, you know, 72 hours has been Preston Readinger. Um, Just a quick review for those of you who don't really know how this all unfolded. I've tweeted out some of this stuff. I've talked about it on a couple of the WVUR broadcasts, but if you're you're tuning in and, and kind of hearing about this for the first time, here is what happened, to the best of my knowledge, with some stuff from Matt Lotta kind of sprinkled in. So Reininger is a uh, he's a true freshman. He's a walk-on from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Went to Lord's Academy. Oshkosh is uh, kind of a small town. I've actually got a good amount of family in Oshkosh. A small town in between, um, you know, kind of uh, Wisconsin, between Milwaukee and Green Bay, depending on the route that you take. You can... Uh, you can get through Oshkosh in that area, I think, if I if I remember correctly. I haven't been to Oshkosh in a long time. So uh, Preston, just senior year, um, you know, COVID hits at the end of his junior year, senior year, no one's coming to his school. Like, no one's recruiting him. He, he slipped through the cracks. He, he, you know, AAU just didn't really work out. And I, I don't know if he was hurt at some point. I know that I talked to him and, and interviewed him. Uh, I think wrote a story about him when it, when it all went down. And when he when he came to Valpo, uh, when he committed to Valpo, but he committed as a walk-on, kind of a, the idea of, of maybe a preferred walk-on. Although I, I don't really know if that those words ever got thrown around out there. It was one of those situations where Valpo said Matt Bowen was was the primary recruiter said, "Hey, we want this guy. We're not necessarily certain that we have a scholarship right now, but they're going to have some scholarships that are going to open up. I mean, right now you look at." At Valpo's roster, Aaron Gordon, Kevion Taylor, Trevor Anderson are all going to graduate, and Maximus Nelson is the only player they have coming in. So right now, I think they've got two available. Now you know, and I know, and and the Lord knows, and everyone knows that some people, some players are going to leave because that's college basketball, and someone leaves every program every year, and some more transfers are going to come in because it's college basketball, and that's the world that we live in now. But to me, Preston Readinger looked like a guy who they were going to redshirt this year. And then maybe get him on scholarship, and then you got four years. Let's go. Preston played really well in those two exhibition losses, like really well. And he led the team in plus minus in both games. I don't know if that matters. Some people love that stat. Other people don't. I'm in the middle on it. I think sometimes you can just get lucky on some of that stuff. So then the decision was made to redshirt Preston. I think that was the plan all along. And Valpo gets rolling, and... They weren't going to play Keandre Young either. They were going to redshirt Keandre. They were going to redshirt 
Cam Pelosi, they were going to redshirt Preston. They were going to play Trey, and they were going to play Darius. Well, then, season doesn't start out great. Keandre's doing really well in practice. They decide that they're going to play Keandre. Well, Keandre has given Valpo some good minutes uh, in spurts at times. Then Keandre Young gets hurt. He's got a thumb injury right now. He's got a tendon injury in his thumb. And so he is, uh, he's, he's been in rough shape. And so I think they're hearing, at least according to Matt, that that maybe this is something that could be surgical and shut him down for the year. Because of when this injury occurred, after the ninth game, uh, you're allowed to play nine games, really like a 30-year season, or 30% of your season, excuse me, and then you can still redshirt. So Keandre Young can redshirt at this point. And so they were going to do it anyway. Well, now they got him nine games or seven games of Division One experience, and now he's hurt. Now he's got a thumb injury. Well, silver lining is that maybe he gets his year back, and he can be a force on this team next year when a couple of these other guys are gone. And we don't know the status of Kobe King. Will he go pro after this year? What is his deal? Can he get another year back? He doesn't have a banner up, a senior banner up there. Uh, Kithier is another guy who's a senior. I think he's going to come back for another year. Um and so, there, again, there's a lot of pieces in play right now. And year to year, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. If you don't like it, get used to it because that's the world that we live in now. So all that comes back to Preston Reedinger. Loddick said in the postgame press conference of the Eastern Michigan game, look, we were looking at the stats, realized we had six guys that were really performing, and that's probably Kithier, Edwards, Anderson, Cricky, King, and Taylor, uh, guys that were really kind of performing well. And... I think he said, we got to put another guy out there. And so he had a long talk with Preston Reedinger and said to him, you missed 11 games. Do you want to burn your redshirt year and play two thirds of the season? Preston said, yeah, let's go. I want to play. Loddick talked to the players on the team, said, should we put another piece in there? Probably means less minutes for guys. Certainly Darius is going to lose out minutes. Probably going to move things around too. Everybody, again, according to Lodek in the postgame press conference, said to a T, everyone said, we want to play with this guy. And man, sitting in there with Preston and Kevion Taylor and Trevor Anderson after the Eastern Michigan game, Trevor and Kevion, two Wisconsin natives who apparently Preston kind of grew up watching because he is they, they are significantly older than he is. They're five years older than he is. Um, they were beaming like proud papas, you know, to talk about how much they loved Preston. Trevor's talked about Preston's approach during the exhibition games. Now, Kevion hit on it the other day. Did he do anything that blows you away? He played 24 minutes. He had four assists and three rebounds. A couple fouls, no turnovers, didn't score. Looking at the game against William and Mary, he played in that game too. Didn't do a whole lot either. Played 14 minutes. Had an assist, had a steal, had a rebound, turned the ball over once, missed, his, missed the three-pointer, looked a little... Uh, uncomfortable when he took the shot. He was open. It was early in the game, right when he got in the game. And I think he felt like he uh, he wanted to take that shot. So he's he's played two games. He's played 38 minutes, hadn't scored, but he's done good things when he's been on the floor. And and he is uh, he's been an excellent player in practice for them. And I think Lodic wanted to reward that. So there you go. Now you got another guy in the mix. So you know, rotation-wise, you're, you're seeing the starters, Kithier, Edwards, Anderson, Cricky, and King. I think this is the best starting five for Valpo. Taylor coming off the bench, but he's playing starters minutes. He's certainly a sixth man for them. And now you're seeing Reedinger in the mix. Connor Barrett, if he can hit shots, right? You know, he's but he's got to hit shots, and he hit one today. And again, if you are in the arc and you see him hit a shot, nobody is more excited than Matt Loddick. They love Connor. They love Connor Barrett's approach to the game. He's just hasn't hit shots. And and when he gets rolling, and he's been rolling in practice as of late, when he gets going, he, he's still going to play some big minutes for Valpo, I think. Trey Woodyard also knocked down a pair of three-pointers against William and Mary. And they like him, too. They, they, they again, he's young. A lot of these guys are young. Playing in, in situations where they're playing much older teams, you think about getting into conference – and bring in guys like uh, like Woodyard and even Barrett and and Reedinger into matchups with the Northern Iowas and the Loyolas of the world, and it's going to be tough. This is where guys like Aaron Gordon, who it was nice to see him score a little bit today, had seven points, three assists, and fourteen minutes off the bench. Uh, you know, Aaron Gordon is is going to come and go in terms of 
of what he's going to bring offensively, but he certainly brings a lot of effort on defense. And, uh, and so I think Valpo shorted up their rotation a little bit. Now they've all gone home for break and they'll get back on, on the day after Christmas and they'll all test COVID tests once they get back and we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I, because of, because of the fact that they got a test, I think, you know, it's 50, 50 at this point. Um, you know, a lot of said to them in the locker room after the game, be diligent about wearing your masks when you're out and about, you know, be smart when you go home and see your families, but you got to go see your families. We want you to go see your families. So when they come back, they'll all test and we'll see what happens. And if, if, if they're all good, then, then obviously the game against Prairie View A&M, a winless Prairie View A&M team happens. And then, uh, then it's on to the Valley January 2nd against Illinois state looking forward to that one, it starts off, conference play starts off at home against Illinois State, then at Northern Iowa, at home against Southern Illinois, and then the big one at Loyola. It's a rough stretch there, four-game stretch, bang, 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 right there. Um, and it doesn't get any easier with Missouri State and Northern Iowa coming to town. Again, playing Northern Iowa twice in the span of 14 days. Um, Want to get that one out of the way early, I guess. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. What happens? Uh, you know, obviously Valpo has played Drake already. Drake is, is dealing a little banged up right now. They won't see them again until February 23rd. Uh, long way to go. One more non-conference game out there. Valpo is 7-6 and six right now, um, and, and they got a chance to, to win another one against Prairie View A&M. All right, so I want to get into this fun interview. This is something I, I, I tweeted out a while ago that we had. I had a couple interviews coming up on Union Street Hoops, one that was a couple months in the making. That was Jose Padilla. I had been trying for months to get him onto Union Street Hoops and finally did, and it was great. And then this one, I said, was years in the making, not necessarily because of Jason and Lexus, but because the idea of Valpo having an alumni team in the TBT, and they're going to talk a little bit more about it. I'm super excited for this, and I told the guys I would, I would do whatever I could to help out. And part of that is me hyping this up a little bit on the, on the podcast and then hoping that, that people get excited about this. The team name is the crew, which you'll get in a little bit. Again, koalas keeps losing to everybody, but uh, I think you're going to like the roster that you're going to hear. I think this is going to be fun. And if they can get these guys back together again, I am no doubt that Valpo uh, alumni team could come together and could have some fun and make a run in the tournament, uh, the TBT. So without further ado, here is Lexus and Jason. Absolutely thrilled to be joined by two of my favorite people that have come through the Athletics Recreation Center, Jason Karras and Lexus Williams. What a, what a crazy pairing for a Thursday night in December. Lexus at Boise State. Jason, you're at Spring Hill, is that it? Uh, Stonehill College. Stonehill, my, see, I'm terrible. I'm still no, you're terrible. good. Terrible, Stonehill. Um, and, uh, and then me. Um, first of all, uh, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you for My having me. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, both of you have been guests on Union Street Hoops before. Lexus, I think it was after you had, uh, actually a couple times, right after you decided to leave Alpo, we had a great conversation about you getting outside of your comfort zone. And then you hit a half quarter against Oregon, and we, we had you back on. Um, but maybe my favorite Union Street Hoops interview ever was when I grabbed Jason Karras and pulled him into the copy room after you buried a corner three, I think, in a, in a game. Remember that, Jason? Absolutely. One of the best days of my life. They just had – so Valpo just had a guy. They had this Wisconsin transfer, Kobe King, who's really good, just made his debut the other night. Everyone was super hyped for it. And then Luke Morrill, a walk-on, comes off the bench and hits two threes back-to-back in the last minute. And everyone's going to remember Luke Morrill for the rest of the – and no one even knows who this Kobe King guy is. So, uh, <laughs> well, Jason, what's that like? I mean, in retrospect, when you look back at, like, having the chance to – to, to, to play and, and knock down a big shot and just kind of have fun with it. I mean, it's like, for me, it was like a dream come true to even be on the team. So um, he called, he called my name that day and it was like hearts beating out of your chest and you're just relying on muscle memory at that point. I'm glad that thing went in, but you know, Luke, I, I was with Luke for a few years and that's a, he's cool under pressure that dude, he's a confident dude. So I'm sure he just stepped up to the plate and knocked those things down. Lexus, as a, as a starter and as a guy who got a lot of minutes, what was it like to see walk-ons come in and do something special like that? 
it's always special to see that. And I was super happy for Jason, especially coming in together as freshmen. Um, it was it was definitely a special moment. <laughs> and also seeing him in practice, um, he used to shoot from 50. So I wasn't surprised when he made it. Well, again, it's a kind of a, an odd pairing to have us. Uh, you guys have both kind of been away from Valpo. Jason, this is your first year away from Valpo. Lexus, you are now working at Boise State, which is awesome. Um, Jason, I guess I want to turn the floor over to you. What, what brings us together on this wonderful Thursday evening in December? Yeah, so, I mean, I had reached out to you a couple, uh, couple weeks ago just talking about I want to – I'm starting this TBT team. Um, TBT is a, is a tournament that they've been doing for a few years. Um, semifinal and final games are televised on ESPN. Um, really, really cool tournament where guys come together, um, overseas pros, alumni teams, um, charity teams, all sorts of teams come and play in a 64-game tournament. Winner takes home a million dollars. Um, and it was kind of, we've talked about it for a long time. It's kind of, the idea has been passed around from, from our crew um, that came through Valpo um, to even crews before us that have been like, we want to put a team out there, an alumni team. And we'll see what we can do in the tournament. And so um, over the summer, I got the opportunity to just bump into um, one of the organizers of the tournament and um, asked him if we if we had a chance of, of getting in there. And he was like, totally, we love to have alumni teams, Valpo's brand, you know, from the inside, you don't always appreciate it, but is really a, a huge national brand and has a ton of respect from people all over the country. So they were... Um, they were on board and they were like, you know, there's still a selection process in March, but um, he was excited about the idea. So I've been working on organizing that and um, getting us in there for July. Lexus, where do you come in with this? Yeah, so right now my role is, and not to like pat myself on the back or anything like that, but if there was one guy um, through my era plan that could reach out to any guy uh, and try to get them to come together, to bring back all those memories, it would be me. So just being able to reach out to guys and try to put the team together and see, you know, what we could do in the tournament. You know, a lot of times you have to wait about 20, 30 years when everybody's settled down and things like that to, you know, reunite and talk about all the old memories. But now we have a chance to make even more while people are still playing. Let me give uh, to, the, to the listeners, let me give a bit of an indication as to what Lexus means by that. So I used to go in the summer and watch Open Gym. And when Lexus was there, the teams would just get together, right? Like, like you'd be like, okay, U5 against U5. And, and just people would listen to you. Lexus, the summer after, and Jason maybe can attest to this because I know, Jason, you were around a little bit. Lexus, the summer after you left, when you went to Boise State, I remember going to an open gym and it took 15 minutes for guys to figure out who was on which team, right? Like they just couldn't figure out. You had this natural charismatic ability to just be a leader. And it was, uh, that was the best, one of the best examples that I ever got a chance to see. Jason, what is it about Lexus that you're like, I need this guy to be part of this here? Well, I needed to ensure that these guys would come back and play, come back to Valpo. And this is the guy, um, a big part of, of what I wanted to do with this team is get guys opportunities because a lot of us are in this like difficult business of sports and, you know, Valpo, our time at Valpo was like a dream. Everybody loved it. Our group tight. Um, you get out into the real world and it's like pretty hard to make it in sports competitive business. So, um, I just wanted to kind of give guys opportunities. And obviously Lexus is killing this position so far. We got guys. Um, well, no, let's, 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 let's get to that. I want to, I want to do a little bit of a roster reveal here. Um, yeah. First, first of all, Lexus, uh, what's your pitch, right? How you've been recruited. How did you recruit these guys? Um, well, it's, it's easy for me just because I've been in communication with them since I've met them really. So, that's the neat thing about it all. Um, it's not like I haven't talked to a guy in like two or three years or something like that. Like we all stay in constant communication. I just was the AP's wedding this summer, went to Jacob Schoon's wedding. Like I'm still in contact with them. Wait, I talk to you all the time. on the team? Is what position is Schoon playing? No, he's not playing a position. Okay. I'm just saying as far as like as tight as we were from, you know, Jason, Schoon, Kendall, like it was more than just the players. 
So when I say I, I speak to everybody, I really mean that. And just talking to like guys like he, I talk to Tavon all the time. I talk to Keith like every day. I talk to Jabril probably every day. Shane, I talk to him maybe once a week. Like we are, we are a super tight group. So it wasn't really a pitch that I had to make. It was just, hey, you guys want to come play? Like we, we're making a team and we want you to be a part of it. And, you know, a lot of guys just bought in right away. You mentioned Kendall, uh, Schoon, obviously, and Schoon is a guy that I get, I just, I'll roast him whenever I can. I love that guy. <laughs> Kendall O'Banner was just one of the unsung heroes of Valpo basketball for a long time, right? Like kind of a quiet guy in the background a lot, but man, I, you just, all of a sudden, like the year I showed up and he's gone, it's like, man, where's Kendall? Like, it just, you missed that guy. Right. And I would, I would, I would say the same about Jason too. Jason, not being here this year, you just feel uh, these guys have been around for a long time. So, uh, so yeah, well, who's, who's, who's lacing them up? Who's coming back? So um, starting off, we got Keith Carter. Um, Decent point guard. Heard of him. Heard of him before. He's good. <laughs> yep. And for him, I mean, for all these guys, kind of like the theme is like we want them, we want them, um, we want them to do well. And and like I said, like it's tough out there. Like Keith's story after leaving Valpo was pretty insane. Like you covered the um, NCAA, you know, getting his year back, um, which was a whole struggle. And he didn't get it when he when we went to that NIT championship. Like he played on a hurt foot uh, that entire time and wasn't even able to play basketball the year after that, just because of everything he had gone through uh, and his body recovery. Um, finally got an opportunity to play in uh, Portugal um, last season and scored like 25 points a game. He was a beast. Um, and then the crazy story recently with him is he got an opportunity uh, to sign a contract in Angola um, for pretty good money after his big year in Portugal. And um, there was a mix up with the COVID vaccine combined with the shots he needed to get to get over to Africa. Um, and he was in the hospital for um, about a month laid up, like had really, really damaged his body. Um, and so I was, I was talking to him through that and um, he's, re he's recovered now and he's going to be able to play and everything, but um, just the things that come up through life that, that make it tough. So hopefully this is, this is going to be a, a big moment in his career and, Gonna put the ball in his hands. Let him be the point guard. Um, in addition to him, we got uh, Jabril coming back, who's had a, a good career um, in Spain. Uh, he's in England now. Um, what is the challenge of getting guys who are maybe under contract to? You know, I've seen this a lot over like TVP. You get guys like, um, you know, like I know Alec. I think signed was going to play with a team last year, and then it was he ended up signing a deal with Euroleague. I think maybe it was two years ago or something like that. He signed a deal with Euroleague, like a like a week before the tournament. And he kind of had to bow out of it. How how challenging is it to try to get that guys those guys locked in? Well, luckily TBT is like works around it so that scheduling is never an issue, and it really comes down to um, what the risk of you know injury. Um, whether you want to put your body through those, that three week tournament where you're playing back to back games. Um, and that's something that, you know, we've talked to Alec and, um, he's still kind of holding out and evaluating what he wants to do about joining the team. Um, cause you know, he's in a situation where he has a, a lot of money on the line. Um, he's, you know, an established player. Um, obviously he wants to come back and, and, um, play with these guys, but he's also looking to get into coaching, um, post uh, playing so um, he's going to be part of the crew in some uh, facet we just don't know exactly what his role is going to be yet but I think um, if you could find a good name image and likeness deal for Alec you might be able to swing it you might be able to uh, you know if we get a car dealership or uh, maybe uh, free Chipotle for him I think that might swing it Alexis, right, Lexi, Lexis, who else do you have on the roster you, we got Keith we got Jabril what, who else are you working for Say that one more time. Yeah, who 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 else uh, after after Keith and Jabril? Who else do we got? Uh, we're trying to get E, uh, Darian Walker, um, David Scarra, Shane. Uh, who who else we got? Jason. Levante is coming through. Oh yeah, Levante. So there's I just I have fascinating stories. Right? 
like Evictor, what a story he had, man, with COVID. And he was, uh, I, I, don't, I mean, I, I wrote a story about it, actually, and we got his GoFundMe out there. I mean, he was like damn near homeless overseas because of just the way that his basketball contract fell through and everything like that. That was tough. Darian has been doing a ton of different things in basketball. I think he was in Dallas for a little bit. Um, yeah, what? Uh, he hosted his own pro-am out there. Like, he's doing well. Yeah, he had, it's like the D-block pro-am, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he named it after himself, I think. Yeah, literally. Uh, so Scara, such, Scara, such an interesting path to Clemson. He was going to go pro, decided to come back. And then I think maybe did he leave in the middle of the year to go? I don't remember all the details there. I know I think he's playing right now. Um, so so Jason is pretty much just the 2015-16 Buffalo team. Is that what you're plus Levante? Yeah, and we're also I mean we're we're trying to fill in with a few guys that um, might be non-Balpo players. We're kind of um, actively recruiting right now, trying to find you know a good fit to kind of fit in with those people. Um, Scara um, is also in a, a position where it might be tough um, for him to come over to the States um, and participate in that this summer. And then Shane is, you know, ha has dealt with some conflicts with his schedule. He's playing, I think, the Euro Championships um, or something. So um, still kind of ironing out the roster. Um, and there's going to be a few um, Valpo players, but for the, for the, uh, Per TBT rule, seven out of our ten are going to have to be um, Valpo alumni, whether they played for one year or um, so. That's going to be the core of our team. Lexus, if you could pick two former Horizon League guys that you battled against to recruit to try to to try to get on this team, who who would be two former Horizon League opponents that were a pain in the ass that you would would love to place them up with or is it just like their enemies i don't want anything to do with uh well the first person that comes to my mind is obviously uh keeper sykes especially with his experience in the tbt he's pretty good in the tbt i mean yeah. that was pretty exciting to watch <laughs> yeah especially the run he made that would definitely be nice to have um and a, another guy that we used to battle with Hmm. I was a I was a huge um K Felder fan. I felt like, you know, coming in with him as a freshman, um, there were some battles there and he was just so good, you know, leading the country and scoring it and um also assist that one year. So, so going maybe those going into your guys' senior year, um when Alec had decided he was going to come back, or I, I, I'd mapped it out after that junior year, after the run to the, uh, to the NIT, right? And I was like, Alec Peters and Kay Felder are going to be in this league as seniors, two guys from completely different backgrounds. And wouldn't it be awesome if I just took like a year off of like being a reporter and just followed those two guys around and wrote a book about like from mid-major to the NBA. And I had it all pitched out and I was like a week away from, from getting Alec and Kay on a, on a phone call with Campy and with, with Bryce and Kay Felder goes and declares for the NBA draft and he didn't come back and it blew the whole thing. I thought that would have been so much fun and that would have been yeah. a great run and awesome to see. Um, and because uh, because what I envisioned was a Valpo versus Oakland Horizon League title game that year. And I thought it would be just the greatest book ever that would have uh, sold millions of copies. And uh, Kay went and declared for the NBA draft and never worked out. So that was a great idea, though. Yeah, pat yourself on the back for that. I'm full of good ideas, but it was a bad execution, right? It was a bad execution. Um, so, Jason, talk to me about about the coaching aspect of this, right? I mean, you got how how do you? Uh, I mean, at at what? I mean, is it just the Valpo playbook then? I mean, does it is it two guard S? I don't even know if it's still called that. The home run play, right? Like just <laughs> <laughs> two guard you know S is definitely going in, going in the playbook. Although. We we don't have Shane sprinting down the court for a dunk, so I don't know who. who I mean, who's be. even fast enough to sprint down at, at 25, 26 years old that you guys are at? That's a great question. Luckily, we're playing against other old men, so yes. we can beat some people right. down there. 
<laughs> but is it, um, would it be like riding a bike, do you think? I mean, to, to bring a group like that together five, six years after the fact and, and obviously sprinkling in some other pieces, but uh, I, I got to imagine it would be pretty easy to just, I mean, flow back into it, right? Yeah, and that was that was part of the pitch to these guys that like one of the advantages we're going to have in this extremely competitive tournament is that we we've played a style together um, and a lot of people aren't going to have a ton of practice time. Um, and so when you're bringing a bunch of like random people together, it can be really hard to kind of have any kind of team cohesion. Um, but Valpo is very unique in the way that um, we guard the basketball and um I mean, we're going to do maybe all sorts, probably just let them play on offense, sort of um, let the players do their thing. But defensively, there's there is kind of a, a Valpo way um, that that these guys are going to be very familiar with that for a team that just came together. You know what you're doing on the ball um, affects what the backside, what the other four guys are going to be doing. And so um, I think that that's going to be a huge advantage for us you know, the way we're going to cover ball screens, the way we're going to guard the post. Um, and I think everybody's kind of familiar with that. So I'm pretty excited for it. But as far as kind of like coaching in general, it's been really good experience for me. I mean, this is like in a mini way, you just have your own program um, where I'm trying, I'm thinking about, um, you know, bring in Lex, Kendall, um, Daryl Jackson is on our staff who we're bringing together, how we're going to fundraise, um, how we're going to promote the team, um, you know, recruiting. So, and then, you know, what we're going to do X's and O's wise. So, um, it's been really fun and been really valuable experience for me and, and everybody that's, you know, getting into coaching and that side of the game. So, and I wanted to ask you guys about that, Lexus, I'll start with you. You're at Boise state now, kind of what are you doing there? And, and, have you found the love of basketball through the non-playing side? Yeah, so here at Boise State, I'm the special assistant to the head coach. And my position is pretty unique. I'm, I don't think I'm like any other special assistant in the country, honestly, with what I do on the administration side. Uh, when it comes to what I do with administration, as far as uh, here at Boise State, it's part of like fundraising, um, being a liaison for the men's basketball program as a whole um, for that fundraising. And then also just getting things done externally as far as like marketing and things of that nature, social media, just having input on everything across the board that you could think of in administration. Um, and then just being that bridge that kind of, you know, covers through the coaching staff and administration. And they talk through me basically. Um, and then also just being the bridge between the players and the coaches as well, seeing that I'm still young, I'm a former player, um, being able to relate to those guys and talk to them and talk to the coaches as well. I, uh, I've seen a couple of the videos that you had out there kind of hyping up Boise State basketball and I damn near booked a flight to Idaho because I was just ready to go. It just looked awesome. It, it's I appreciate fun. that. It's been a lot of fun to watch you kind of grow in, into that role. And Jason, assistant basketball coach now, kind of the dream, right? Like, what what has this year been like and getting on a staff? I think you guys are seven and two right now. Looks like you're off to a good start this year. Yeah, yeah. I got lucky enough to join a really, a really good staff that um, has kind of an established program out here. Um, and for me, it's just been um, a crazy kind of step out of your comfort zone um, because the responsibilities are a huge jump from graduate assistant, director of basketball operations to um, scouts, recruiting, um, being on the court, working guys out, um, is, is kind of what I always dreamed about doing. Um, and, you know, Valpo gave me that opportunity to kind of lay that groundwork and start my career. Um, so now I'm able to do all those things and it's been, it's been great for me. So I final question, what is the name? Actually final couple of questions. What's the name of the team, the TBT team? This was actually um, brought up to me. I was just having a beer with an old uh, roommate, Miller Conrad, uh, a VU grad. And he was like, and this is before we even had a TBD team, but he said, if we ever had a TBD team, it would be an awesome name to call us the crew and just shorten the old crusader. Um, we're all a, a unit. And now, you know, it got a little messed up with the whole name change this year, but I figured these guys were all crusaders 
Um, and we're behind the whole name change um, and, and love the Beacon name. Um, but with it being an alumni team, I figured it still made sense. The crew. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lexus, just sure. how, how excited are you for this whole thing to unfold here this summer? I'm really excited. And I think that it's going to be great for our program, great for our former players, great for our current players and current fans as well. Um, just to see, you know, these guys get out there and play with the crew across their chest and, and that gold and brown. I think that it'll be, you know, a great experience. Jason, I will end with this question. What what can Valpo fans do right now or can they do anything right now or, or what would be, I guess, the next call to action? I know that the TBT does an aggressive online kind of hype marketing thing and their website and all that. When does that happen and kind of what can Valpo fans do now? Well, they're starting to promote it right now. They just released um, the sites and dates of the um, tournaments. So we're deciding right now whether we want to be entered into the Dayton um, site or the Omaha site. Those are the two closest to Valpo. Um, Valpo fans can follow us on Twitter at the, the underscore crew underscore Valpo. Um, and we're just trying to drum up some hype um, and get kind of a fan base behind us and thinking about us um, as we go into the summer. So um, yeah, just follow on, follow on Twitter. Um, there is a little bit of money that we're trying to raise in order to get guys from overseas here, um, pay for transportation and food, um, which isn't a ton, but um, there is a uh, link to a GoFundMe on our, on our Twitter page. So if you follow that and, um, and any, any donation is appreciated, um, but, um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Very good. Well, hey, Jason, Lexus, thank you guys very much for being on here. And uh, hopefully we can draw up a little bit of support for you and get excited for the crew to get together one more time. Thanks for having us, P.O. Yeah, thank you.